Hey guys, thanks for joining us for today's episode of Ringer FC. We obviously talked about all the upheaval in the Mexico, Sweden, South Korea, Germany group. Germany getting knocked out, the defending cup holders getting knocked out of the World Cup. Micah, Ryan, and I talked all about that. Donnie was preparing his uh, digestive track for the boot he's going to be needing to eat. Uh, We'll hear all about that tomorrow. Uh, On the site today, we have Shocker on Germany's failure in the World Cup. Nico Morales on the offensive, defensive tactic that has defined the World Cup. So definitely check that out. Bill talked about World Cup betting over on Against All Odds. So definitely check out that podcast. And Ryan, you've got a piece coming soon on... A little known team by the name of Germany. There you go. just got knocked out. There you go. So Ryan's going to follow up on the Germany story. Uh, We had a great show today, so check us out. Donnie's back tomorrow. No show Friday. And then we'll be back with you next week to get through the knockouts. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to Ringer FC on a glorious day as we wind down the group stages. My name is Chris Ryan. I'm an editor at TheRinger.com. I'm joined by Ryan O'Hanlon. I'm never talking about sports ever again. Look, you're always right. What are you talking (laughs) about? And Micah Peters, what's up, man? Today is the day that the Lord hath made. (laughs) Uh, What an incredible day. The defending World Cup champions, Germany, are out. Who could have predicted this. I don't know. Who Literally could've? no one. <laughs> Is there a white guy with glasses sitting at this table? Ryan O'Hanlon in our, pre, in our pre-World Cup videos said he didn't think that Germany would get out of the World Cup group stage. And it happened. Did you really think that? Well, I mean, you did have history on your side. In my, I did have history on my side in that they're the fourth uh, defending champ to go out in the group stages of the last five tournaments. Um, I think to me, it was more just a prediction to make because I thought it could happen. I didn't, not that I thought it would happen. Sure. Um, and I didn't think it would happen like this. I thought my whole thing was that we've talked a ton about how random soccer is and weird shit can happen in three games. Um, and Germany's group, Mexico's a solid team. Sweden qualified ahead of the Netherlands, then finished ahead of Italy or beat Italy in their head to head playoff. And Korea, not a very good team, but they have a, star-level attacking talent in Hyungmin's son. Yeah. So I just thought the talent of those teams is high enough. Maybe Germany gets unlucky, basically, in a couple games. They did kind of get unlucky. They took 72 shots. That's 23 more than any other team has taken. Iran only took 23 shots in the entire tournament. (laughs) So another year, maybe a couple of those bounce in. But when you look at the quality of shots and you look at something like expected goals, basically Germany was at best equal to all of the other teams in the group. If at, not, only at best. Yeah. Okay. Um, if not worse than most teams. So because they were they were hunting for long range shots because they weren't getting good because they weren't getting good quality shots. It's a combination of things. They had some of the lowest quality shots in the tournament. They took two shots from inside the six yard box all tournament. And I think both were on Matt's Hummel's headers, which against Korea, that was kind of the issue to me. There it's like if Hummels finishes a couple of headers, maybe they win, but Germany shouldn't be relying on Matt's Hummels to head the ball in to beat teams. I think it was a combination of this. It's that their counter-pressing and defense was so terrible that teams could basically drop everyone behind the ball 
and know that they could still then generate an attack despite having everyone back because it just took three straight passes down the center and everyone could just take off. And then on top of that, they didn't really have a goal scorer. They had... Timo Werner. Shout out to the guy who said Timo Werner was the breakout star (laughs) of this World Cup. Timo Werner who scored 13 (laughs) goals this past season. Yeah. And... I think when you kind of look at it with hindsight, Timo Werner's playing for Leipzig, who's this counter-pressing, counter-attacking team that doesn't possess the ball that much. With Germany, there's no space for him to ever run into. All the goals he scores with Leipzig are counters, counter-attacks. Yeah. And like you said in the preview, Germany would look to him on their counters. They just never had any chance to counter. Um, and then their other striker was Mario Gomez, who had eight goals this season. And didn't make the World Cup roster last time, but still made this one. So it's a combination of, like, the issues with the squad construction and team philosophy making it harder for them to score, and then just them not... They have a ton of great world-class, world, world-class creators, but then they don't have guys that can... Finish the job. Or not even... It's not even finishing. It's getting on the ball in dangerous areas. Like, we've talked about this a ton... Goal scoring is not about being able to pick out the upper corner from 30 yards out. It's, it is awesome when it is. <laughs> it's awesome when you do that. Shout out to Granit Xhaka. Um, but it's more about your movement off the ball where you slip in between a defender and you get a tap in at the top of the six. You know, mm-hmm. Even you look at Messi's goal yesterday. We talked all about the incredible close control that he had and then the great finish. But if you watch it... He makes a run. He cuts inside. So the defender who's next to him like gets shook and takes a step inside, and then Messi immediately takes off behind him, and Benega plays the ball. So it's like the run that Messi made is what created the chance sure. of the score. Mm-hmm. And Germany just didn't have players that could do that, I think. So they were Arsenal. <laughs> they were Arsenal. What wasn't it kind of Arsenal like a lot? I mean, of it was a, it was an aging player. back line playing too high up. A ball possession team without a like a really killer cutting edge at the front of the goal. I and mean, this is kind of like also a false nine, and then bringing on like some large lumbering center forward with a meaty forehead, and then know, hoping like, that your center back heads in a, exactly. a ball at the end of a game, even though you play beautiful stuff on the grass, and then yeah. you're like, oh, we're just going to cross, like, yeah. or Tony Cruz is going to b- bail us out. Michael, we've seen a lot with club teams, and it, I think we, you know, some people thought with Brazil four years ago that we were going to see this, but Brazil really stuck to their guns and we're, we're seeing like, I, I think they just made some managerial changes, but like that team is still built around Neymar. But we see in club teams a lot when a big loss like this happens and a catastrophe like this happens, it's kind of like the end of a cycle. It's, managers use that phrase mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, Yogi Love did not seem uh, to be uh, confident that he would be returning as the German national team manager. But... At the same time, I don't think Germany is that far away from being back right in the mix of like the great international teams playing right now. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely not. I think that they'll be back in the next. I mean, like they will. Two be years back from now, Euros. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They'll be right back there. I, but I mean, like as far as Yogi Love's success over the last couple of major international tournaments, and I mean, there has been a lot of it. There's never really whatever happened most recently is the most important thing. So I mean, like it's not like there will be any sort of reward for. I mean, like Yogi Love, I I think it's done. Yeah, this was a great day for the specific weirdness of group stage match play yeah. because yeah. Uh, Mexico goes through losing three nothing to Sweden. 
And we all turn into South Korea fans because South Korea <laughs> is still not going to go through. But we were just like, what an effort on these last group game, group stage games. We always assume people are either going to yeah. send out a weakened team or have nothing to play for. It's, and South Korea played their asses off today. Yeah, I mean, like we were talking about this a little bit yesterday where it's just kind of like they have, there are, there's victory within defeat in the group stage in a way that there isn't in, in different places. So that third, the third goal, uh, the third own goal uh, in Mexico. I mean, like everybody's heads are down. Yeah. Like the players are super frustrated. And then in the stands, all the Mexico fans are losing their shit. Like they're just amazing because like Son Youngman had scored and it was just like, we're going through, but the players didn't know that. And it's like a weird thing that's going on. I can only really compare it. I mean, it's not even really close to the same thing, but 2012 and last day of the Premier League season where City and United are playing in different grounds. Yep. Yeah. And there's it, there's five minutes where United's won the title and then Sergio Aguero scores against QPR and, and wins the title for City. I mean, yeah. it's that kind of thing that goes up and down. It had that vibe of, oh my God, you know, Korea scored. Like, this is going to happen. It's almost like... It's almost not fun for me to watch this stuff. It's How come? Like, it's so stressful. It is. It was incredibly. I mean, like same was, with yesterday. Right? Yeah, there was no. It was ridiculous to think that Mexico would not go through at the start of like this match day. Oh, when we were texting during the game, and I was like, "This is actually. It's not going to ruin the World Cup for me, but it is the most unfair thing ever if this if they they don't go through the game." And yeah. the thing is, is that over over the last over the last couple of days or last couple of weeks or whatever, what have you. Um, there's been like this trend of like really shocking upsets and underdogs almost winning. And then the, you know, at the end, Tony, Tony Cruz, Cruz. Yeah, yeah, that happens. And then that didn't happen today. And that was made it all the more amazing. Uh, in other group stage games today, we had Brazil winning 2 nothing over Serbia, and we had Switzerland and Costa Rica tying 2-2. So Brazil and Switzerland go through. Let's take a little bit of a look towards the going forward. Go, you know, the knockout stages because mm -hmm. the round of 16 is basically upon us. We have uh, two more ties in the knock in the round of 16 to decide. But I wanted to talk a little bit about some of these games coming coming up, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to say about yeah, I think, some of the group stage stuff. I think stuff. Micah has a lot to say about Costa Rica, Switzerland. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a 45 I, have, minute. I, have, I have prepared 45 <laughs> minutes on that Did game you, alone. Yeah. You have like a Joe Budden podcast that goes on for three hours? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Switzerland. Uh, okay. No, I want to talk. Uh, the, the game I want to talk about most is France and Argentina because mm -hmm. that's happening on June 30th on Saturday. Um, and if I had offered you France and Argentina in a round of 16 before the tournament, you probably would have already had your knife and fork and played out. You would have just been salivating for yeah. it. And now it has a little bit of an underwhelming vibe to it. Argentina barely going through. And France uh, only having and three France, goals in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. You are you still a little bullish on France, Ryan? Uh, I actually don't really know how I feel because it's like France has essentially given up one chance the entire tournament, and that was from Samuel Umtiti just punching the ball out of the air for no reason. Which <laughs> like Umtiti's still the most just unfat like that's more unfathomable than what Germany did. Um, but again, it's three goals, and it's like if you're only scoring three goals in the group stages aren't you sort of at risk of literally just losing to any team because the game could just go to penalties? So it's like the champions just need to not give up goals. I think the number of like the past 
eight or something Euro and World Cup winners have given up five goals total in the knockout stages if mm-hmm. you combine everything. Mm-hmm. So having that solid defense is great, but just you just need to be able to generate a little more than that, I would think. But at the same time, all of these teams are flawed. The sort of one unflawed team just lost in yeah. the group stages. So their defense is so solid that I guess I still feel pretty good about them, but not in a way that I expected to, if that makes any sense. You're also uh, an, an amateur. You've minored in France uh, fandom, <laughs> minored in France fandom during the yeah. World Cup. I mean, how do you feel about their changes on Saturday? I mean, like, I feel similarly, but also it's just the fact that if Argentina are playing Mascherano and Perez in the midfield, that's food for Conte and Pogba. Like, I mean, it should, it, be. It's just, it yeah. should be. It should be. But the thing is that, like, with this lineup, like you were saying, before you came into the tournament, you would have been super excited about this but it also now has that like air of like a big something that's supposed to be a big match day in the Premier League and then you know like you spend the three days leading up to it writing reading like these huge preview pieces and this is going to be amazing and then it's like a really boring 1-0 scoreline yeah because the other thing we should say is that so Nigeria or Argentina had to beat Nigeria yesterday right Mm -hmm. They took eight shots total in the entire game in a game they had to win. Right. So combining that with France's defense, it's really hard to see this actually being an exciting game. Does Franco (laughs) Armani make enough of a difference in goal for you? Does he solidify a really rickety Argentina defense? He's the River Plate goalie who replaced Willie Caballero uh, between the sticks. Yeah, we said this yesterday. It's just kind of like, you know, all Argentina needed in goal is somebody who wasn't going to fuck yeah. up royally. League, and- <laughs> league average is better than historically awful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really, it's really interesting. The keepers in this in this cup, I was just watching Jan Sommer and I was just like, <laughs> this guy just looks like he works at a, at, at a Geneva footlocker. Like, he looks like he's 5'8". And, and, but he's doing a good shot-stopping routine. He's kind of got like a Simone Mignolet kind of vibe going where it's like, I don't know is if I trust him. <laughs> well, no, it's like Mignolet was always good at like exploding out and like saving those one or two incredible yeah. shots a game, but then would just drop the ball like while yeah. uh, on oh, a back yeah. pass like, or something. into his own net by accident. Banging the 30-footer, then missing the layup. Yeah. So obviously France and Argentina has a little bit of a... Anything could happen. These are two underwhelming teams, but there's a, a lot of star power on display on Saturday. The other game that I am really, really excited for is July 2nd, Brazil versus Mexico. Because even though we got a Mexico team that I think thought they had punched their ticket, you know, like I don't, I just don't know why they didn't show up today or if they were trying to, maybe they just didn't have like psychologically, they weren't all there for this game or something against Sweden. But I still think that they have a chance against Brazil, to be completely honest. I know right now, 538's odds, I think, uh, are pretty, pretty yeah, daunting. That <laughs> seems crazy. Yeah, they have an 83% chance Brazil goes through on this. Uh, I think it's better than that. I think the Brazil, I think Mexico has a lot of, a lot of opportunity here. Well, I think. As we saw against Germany, Mexico is meant to play a game where they don't have the ball that much. Right. And that's what what it's going to be against Mm -hmm. Brazil. And we know that Juan Carlos Osorio, at least the first two games, he kind of tailored his lineup. But then he played the same lineup from Korea to Sweden, which kind of makes me think that, like— He had one dossier. He was just like, Korea, Sweden, (laughs) whatever. He had one dossier. Um, But I—that loss actually doesn't change how I feel about uh, Mexico's chances against Brazil. If if I'm Brazil, I'm—I mean, (laughs) I'm obviously happy that it's not Germany. Yeah. But I'd much rather Sweden than Mexico, I think. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Brazil, like, it's still the fact that neither of their strikers have goals in the tournament yet. And also just, they don't... You don't think Polinho is going to score again? <laughs> Polinho, <laughs> listen, Polinho, you need that one person that can time a late run into the box. That might be the only thing that he can do, but That's it's true. useful. Polinho um, looked look good today. But my thing You know who else is- looked great? Sorry. You go for it. Yeah, I was going to say Coutinho also is just kind of like, just looking amazing. I think he's the best player in the World Cup. There's yeah. nothing I can do about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a shame. There's no take backs. <laughs> uh, June 30th, we'll also see Uruguay t- uh, face off with Portugal, which means we get the chance of seeing uh, Pepe versus Suarez. <laughs> In, uh, I'm excited. I can't, I can't even think of the so profanity I, that I want to use. Uh, so and I can't even think of what they will be whispering into each other's ears oh, man. that will drive each other uh, to the brink of red cardness. What's the chances we get out of Uruguay, Portugal? Uh, it's pretty much 55 45 is how uh, 538 with tipping Portugal. But what do you guys think the chances are we get out of this match without a red card? Mm. Uh, it's like the Brazil Mexico odds that 538 has 83%. Yeah. Because here's either we're going to get a red card in the first 5 minutes like it just had an absolutely nutty one or it's going to happen at the most crucial part of the game like in the 89th minute and Pepe is going to is going to um sweep the leg on some guy and it's going to be it's going to be chaos. Oh, man, I <laughs> I think Rory Smith from the New York Times said this. He he was like so is Uruguay the Portugal of South America or is Portugal the Uruguay of Europe? <laughs> That's wow. A question. That's an amazing question. It's a great question. Um, I want to talk a little bit about players who are going to define these knockout stages. Mm. Um, and it can be a player that you think has been playing above their talent level right now and that they're really showing something, showing you something that you think is pretty extraordinary. Or it could be a guy that you think has not quite lived up to his reputation or skill level. Ryan, I'll kick it to you. Who do you think people should really keep an eye on in these knockout stages? You know what? I'm going to say Suarez. Um, I actually think we're kind of sleeping a little bit on Uruguay. Um, They've yet to give up a goal. Five goals in the group stages. They're underlying... kind of a thankless group. Yeah. I mean, their group was was probably terrible. I think we're ultimately going to look back on it and, and realize that when Spain beach, beats Russia 17 nothing in the knockout stages. Um, but their underlying numbers are better than anyone. What happens if like three dudes get sent off in the first 20 minutes of that match from, <laughs> will, from Spain? <laughs> I mean, don't rule that off either, one or the other. Um, and I think Uruguay is actually like a decent dark horse pick to make a run here. Because yeah. it's... Their midfield, they're starting to play Lucas Torreira more, um, who's a really good passer. Sampdoria, uh, soon to be Arsenal. Soon to be Arsenal. Um, yeah. Soon to be Germany, then after that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they have, I think the thing I like about Uruguay is that they, one, I mean, we don't know if Jimenez will be healthy, but Diego Godin is a beast still. Jimenez is as well. They're both way better than Pepe and Jose Font. And then Uruguay has. It's not just Ronaldo up top by himself. Uruguay has Cavani and Suarez still, who are both still, they've yet to really sort of find a game where they're just finishing and on fire. But I, it's just, the defense is so good that it just, I, it feels like Suarez cannot have a World Cup without not having a decisive moment. Sure. Mm-hmm. One way or the two, other. The decisive yeah. moments <laughs> have been him punching a ball out of the goal and biting a guy in Italy in a game that, Uruguay was already going to advance from. 
so I think I, I think there's the potential, despite how difficult that side of the group is, that Uruguay rides the back of the super solid defense. Suarez nicks a goal here and there against teams that should be favored over them. Yeah, there uh, he he could be the di- a difference maker for sure. Micah, who do you who do you see as a, a player who could have a huge impact on at least the round of sixteen, if not further knockout stages? Uh. Okay, so the easy one would be Coutinho just because he's been balling out of his mind. It's his tournament so yeah, far. It's yeah, it's his tournament so far. But also, I want to talk about like uh, Christian Pavone, who plays yeah. for Argentina. I mean, like he was giving Nigeria fits down the left side. And it was a little strange that he was put into the side rather than, I guess, Angel Di Maria or whatever. But I mean, Dybala. yeah, or Dibala, like choose any one of them. But he did the job that he was meant to do, which was to get them on the back foot to create chances. And I think they're going to need that against a defense as stalwart as France has been. Yeah, I think we should just probably give up on the Dybala actually playing for Argentina yeah, that, in anyway. <laughs> so. really, I, like, this, is, this is my concession, is talking about Christian Pavone instead of Paulo Dybala. <laughs> I'm gonna go with a ch- I'm gonna cheat, and it's not exactly like a underrated pick, but it is the it is the Modric Rakitic uh, axis on oh, Croatia, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, probably the best midfield in the World Cup right now. And those guys, obviously, if you watch any Spanish football, you've been watching them for the last two or three seasons for Rakitic at Barcelona. Modric has been at um, Real Madrid for at least five years now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely wonderful players. And anytime you watch a midfield that makes you kind of forget about the boxes we put midfielders in because yeah. typically we have like a central defensive midfielder like Conte whose job is to screen the back four or we have a box-to-box midfielder like Gerard or I guess Aaron Ramsey or somebody who would stand next to that central defensive midfielder and make runs but largely like keep the clock ticking and then you have an attacking midfielder who's playing in between the forward and midfield line those are like the typical ways we think about midfield Modric and Rakitic do all those things all at once. Yeah, it's like uh, Lampard and Gerard, but it actually works. It works, <laughs> but you know, like they actually pass to each other. Modric yeah. is at once the best number ten in this tournament, and also the best number eight in this tournament. And Rakitic yeah. is the second best of both of those things. Yeah, um, they have a path to at least the semis here. You know, they can beat Denmark. I think they should beat Denmark in the round of sixteen, yes. mm-hmm. and then. Maybe they face <laughs> like I, 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 this Russian Spain game is going to be the game it's, that like I'm watching with Luis Mensch. Yeah. I don't know what's going like to happen in that tra- one. It's the, it's for sure a trap game because it feels like Spain <laughs> is trap game. is like. I wonder who built that trap. <laughs> yeah, it's it just feels like it's you like think a Demi Gordon could emerge out of the midfield yeah. of this game, and I would be like, does that guy play for Russia? <laughs> like, Spain could have a hundred percent possession in this game, yeah. and still somehow lose. So. Yeah. Uh, because they don't have a tip of the sword, really. Yeah, and that's a Spain, <laughs> a Spain team. I, I don't know. Costa has been battling with an injury a little bit, but that's a Spain team that I think, even though they've been impressive in the group stages, we all had a lot of questions about coming into the cup and especially about uh, they had the managerial upheaval. There were some questions about who they were bringing as a striker. I just think that Croatia is playing their best football right now, and they have a chance to get to at least the semis in this side of the bracket. So well, yeah. keep an eye out for Rakitic and, and Modric over the Croatia next game or two. Croatia beat Spain, or at least finished ahead of them in their group in yeah. the Euros too. So it's not, it's not. We've seen a result like that in the it's not not too of. distant yeah. past. Uh, briefly, let's just talk about tomorrow because uh, you know Donnie will be hosting tomorrow with Micah, so you'll have a podcast uh, to listen to about the Belgium England game and the uh, Senegal. Columbia game. If you guys had to pick, obviously Belgium, England, they're going through. Uh, that's going to be a yellow card fest, do you think, Ryan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, here's what's going to happen. Can you explain why, I guess? So, Belgium and England are 
tied at every tiebreaker except for um, fair play, which the tiebreaker is whoever has fewer cards. And currently, the way the bracket looks, it's not as... Uh, daunting as it was. Daunting because right? you're not guaranteed a matchup with Brazil or Germany because Mexico might win. But as it stands, the second place team in this group will get to play either Colombia, Japan, or Senegal. And then they'll get either Sweden or Switzerland in the in the quarters. That's Which is a fact. Right. And that's Sims. better than likely Brazil. Yeah. Um, so th- you, it's just better to finish second in this group, in right. my opinion. Um, so if the two teams play for a draw... What is going to decide who comes in second is whatever team gets more cards in this game. So right. maybe it's a bunch of dudes taking their shirts off, but who knows? But here's what's <laughs> actually going to happen: Harry Kane, England's lion, is just going to come into this game guns blazing, score four goals in the first half, win the golden boot, and then England's going to get knocked out by Brazil in the quarters, and Belgium's going to go all the way to the final because they came in second. Whoa, <laughs> <laughs> Mohamed Salah's that is some truly butterfly yeah. effect shit right there. Uh, Micah, any thoughts on uh, what could be maybe the last great game? I mean, I know it's one of the last group stage games, but it could be the best group stage game, which is uh, Senegal versus <laughs> don't even don't Senegal even. versus Colombia. <laughs> okay, Colombia put on an absolute show, an absolute show. Like, I mean, and Ryan and I were talking about this. Is just that like we are still underrating James Rodriguez. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like. But anyway, I've it's this is going to be an emotional reckoning for me because I love both of these teams. Because you're fifty percent Senegalese and fifty percent Colombian. There you go. Yes. Um, and I, I have always been. Yeah. This has always been the case. <laughs> but uh, both of those teams can go through with a draw, uh, so long as I think it's Japan loses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Japan I mean, like, I wouldn't bet on that because Poland has been terrible. Poland's well, already hanging out. You guys don't think, you don't think Poland's going to pull a Korea against Germany? Sorry. No. <laughs> no. I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe Robert Lewandowski remembers he's one of the best strikers in the world or something. I don't know. Um, go back to bleaching his hair. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, there was, they had the, um, Senegal had the 2-2 draw against uh, Japan and... Uh, head coach Cisse said, you know, like, we weren't very good, frankly. I think the best team on the pitch was Japan, which was true, sort of, but not necessarily. I, I mean, Almost like, I think you kind of like have to say that. trying to boost up his team. Yeah. Like, get your shit together. Yeah. But, I mean, like, it will definitely be exciting and heartbreaking in e- equal measure, I think. I want to ask one last question that I did not prompt you guys for before we go. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do this a lot with the NBA when the playoffs start, where we're like, you can, let's draft a guy to who's getting knocked out to keep playing for some team. Mm. Who's the worst team that's going to go through here? Probably Russia. Yeah. And yeah. then maybe what uh Denmark after that? Oh, yeah. Denmark's not bad, but I think it'll be Japan. It'll be the worst team that ends up going through. So, if you could draft one player from the knocked out teams to play for Japan or Russia, Oh, or Denmark. We'll do it that way. <laughs> oh, man. Who would it be and uh, why? 100% Salah playing for Japan. <laughs> that, would, <laughs> that would be amazing. Because he, uh, could, he could back up Honda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. He uh, could learn so much from Honda and bring it back to Anfield. I'd put Lewandowski on Spain. Instead of Diego Costa. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> uh, that would be uh, unbelievable. <laughs> or like putting uh, like Boateng or Hummels on Portugal. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I would probably save. If I had to save one German player, I'm saving Tony Cruz, uh, even if just for that free kick. And I would, I you know, I would put him on Denmark, let him pair with Christian Eriksen, uh, and and let and see what happened there. 
I'd be into that. Can we bring players that didn't actually make the provisional 23-man squad? Can we bring Leroy Sané back? <laughs> put Sané on Senegal. You put Sané on Senegal. You could have teams. You could have guys from teams that didn't make the cup at all. Where would you put Deuce? Where would I put Deuce? Uh, he should be on. Panama. Deuce should be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can stop that. Uh, Donnie will be back with you tomorrow. Obviously, no show Friday. We'll be back Monday, probably with a big show to recap the Saturday, Sunday, and Monday action. It's been a great cup. Keep watching. Keep hitting us up on Twitter, Ringer FC. We'll be back next week. <laughs>